Good morning, everyone. This is Coach Shangri-La, CEO and head coach of Feisty Fox Coaching. So today, I want to talk about a couple of things, actually. One thing is that what if you only have one hour to work out? What are you going to do? Or like, for example, if, if work's been stressed out or this week's been stressed out, I know today's Thursday, but, you know, it, we can still make something out of our week, right? Um, but sometimes a lot of people at this time around Thursday or Wednesday, you know, uh, work gets stressful even though weekend's almost around the corner. So that's what I'm going to talk about of if you only have one hour to work out, what can you do? And I'm going to show you what I actually did today. So that's one. The second one is actually this very interesting terminology called SWOLF or S-W-O-L-F. One of my Feisty Fox athletes actually asked that during our Q&A coaching call. And I thought I'd share that here because it's been a, you know, I've been seeing actually this word terminology uh, SWOLF in some other groups. And, you know, a lot of other people have their own opinions. But so based on my research and my experience and also with my um with the coaches I've worked with, um, I'll share to you what we think about Swolf. Okay, so first today, uh, so what I did today actually, um, it's very easy run. I know that I have a zone to run, and you know, but I I just want to be free. When I say free. I want to be free of expectations. And since I already have zone two, you know, hey, why not not have actually a Garmin? So I didn't have a Garmin during my run today. And guess what? I also did not have anything in my ears or like I'm not listening to anything. I just really want to be free. I want to start where... And, you know, like when I was starting to run, like I had no idea what all this race is about. And instead, I just run. And I wanted... I wanted to take myself back there in a way that I would just run, enjoy the cool breeze, and feel so free. Everything's quiet. There's no worries. There's no concerns. But instead, I allow myself to actually just think of all the positive things um, about my day, what's coming up, and just how happy I am. And also just, you know, uh, just breathing that cool air uh, while I do exercise, while I start sweating, right? So that's what I was doing. Um, but then also at the same time, I have a goal to actually get to the to the gym. The gym is about 20, 25 minutes run. So that's what I did. I went about 20 minutes run, um, zone two. And once I get there at the gym, uh, I specifically worked on my glutes and my calves. So uh I, I just want I just I just actually have about 20 minutes so I really want to focus and be intentional of my 20 minutes workout at the gym so at the 20 minutes workout I did uh, a Bulgarian squat splits and also deep squat using the Smith machine so the Bulgarian uh, split squat you got to make sure that you actually know how to do it it's one of those complicated ones for others and form is definitely important okay so unfortunately i cannot really show you or demonstrate to you through this podcast but but what you want is that to keep your hip stable as you go up some people especially in bulgarian split squat um the hip is a little down 
and then so you gonna you get you want to have your hips square and stable especially when you're going up and you have to really feel your glutes working uh, with the Bulgarian split squat um, it's most likely uh, you're gonna hit those glutes that's why I like about it like it's no doubt I'm gonna hit my glutes and I really want to work it out um, so I did uh, 12 reps and using weight wherein I could actually, you know, like at the beginning of the first few reps, uh, I could feel that my glutes are already working. But then once it comes to like at the eighth rep, I could feel that I really, really, you know, like it's getting hard. Like it's really, really hard already by the time 10, like every, every rep you know like it's hard but when it gets hard what I do is that I focus more onto the form and actually I make sure that I'm actually inhaling and exhaling because if you don't you know you're going to be in trouble you could end up fainting because you're not having the oxygen go to your brain to your muscles so you want to make sure you're inhaling and exhaling if you're new to weightlifting make sure to take breaks you don't need to be it's not like a race that you got to be continuous right uh you got to make sure you do it gradual okay so i go do that 12 reps and the next thing is that i do deep squats on the deep squats i did 15 and then you add a little bit more weight just just very little um and it's something that's um that i'm actually comfortable okay sure you ex expect yourself that you will work hard on this one if you're not working hard then that means you know why even do why even do uh lift weight right so um another thing is that so i was doing that and very minimal rest um and then what I wanted to make sure also that I mentioned is the, what, what we call a mind-body relationship. Okay, when I do my weightlifting, what I wanted to make sure is that my muscles are connected to my mind. When I say that, what that means is that I think of that particular muscle group that I'm working on. And then during, throughout that, that movement, the entire movement, I make sure that I'm actually feeling that muscle part working and engaging if you are not feeling it most likely you're not doing the right for okay and also because I did not want to waste my time I want to make sure that in every movement I'm feeling that work on that glute okay does that make sense I hope so because I've had that in the past we're in you know I would spend so much time at the gym and not really knowing why I'm even doing it, right? So first, you got to understand what kind of exercise you're doing, understand what, how to actually execute it properly. And the next thing is for you to actually think of that muscle group because that would make a big difference. It's more of like intentionally lifting weights. That's, that's what I call it. So after that, so I did uh, alternate uh, Bulgarian split squat and deep squat using, this, um, using the Smith machine. I also did uh, use the abductor machine. So that's one. And the calf raises. So these are just the couple things that I did. Um, so I did that, and then I made sure that I took about five minutes to uh, to ba basically uh, stretch out those uh, those muscles that are really tight. So, for example, my glutes, my lower back. I stretch it out, especially if I'm if you're sitting for a long time. In, the, in front of the computer or you have a long drive, you want to make sure that you take care of your back, okay? So other things that you can actually do, there's the cat pose, child pose, um, there's the uh, cobra, 
um, and also uh, the, the uh, downward dog. So you want to make you you want to decompress those spinal column. So that because when when you are sitting on a chair, your spinal column tends to collapse at the bottom, and um, so you need to be de decompressing it because it's gonna hurt, especially if you're just sitting all day long. You know, my suggestion is actually to, to set an alarm, you know, every day for you to actually do some stretch, especially your back, okay? Um, let me see, so that's, that's for the workout. I hope you, and then after that, you know, I, after the gym, so that's about 20 minutes, and then I ran back again for another 20 minutes, so that's my one hour, and I'm done. Um, let me see. So, so that's the first part of our, of this podcast. And I want to share to you about, uh, this one it's called Swolf. And I'm actually going back to my computer right now. All right. Let me see. Hold on one second. Okay. That's my computer there. Okay. Swolf. A swolf is abbreviation of the terms swimming and golf. Um, it, it's basically what it says is that the less it takes you to get from end to end, the lower the swolf number. If you uh, put in swolf in the Google and then do a search, Garmin would say the swolf score for a length is obtained by adding together the number of strokes taken in the pool length and the time it took to swim that length. So, uh, according to, to some individuals or some coaches, uh, they say that if you take fewer strokes to complete each lap and do it quicker, supposedly you're swimming more efficiently. Well, I want to revisit that if that's actually correct. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of comparison and hopefully you have some pen and paper so, so you can follow through of what I'm trying to say. Okay, so I'll give you an example. So if you're if you're in a 50 meter swimming pool, right, 50 meter swimming pool, and it takes you 50 strokes to complete the lap in 50 seconds, your swolf score is going to be 100. Okay, imagine again, 50 meter swimming pool, it takes you 50 strokes to complete the lap and in 50 seconds, the swolf score is 100. You can either improve your efficiency by taking fewer strokes, right? Taking fewer strokes. Let's say you end up doing 48 strokes. When you did the 48 strokes um, and then you, you, you still completed that in 50 seconds, right? So you basically completed that same length at the same time, but this time it's shorter. So your school of core... Uh, would be 98. So it's lower. What we said earlier, if the swolf score is lower, that means you're efficient. That's what everyone say. <laughs> okay. So is that an improvement? Well, it is an improvement because you put 48 strokes, right? But then what we're not looking is that what it took you or what you did to actually do that 48 strokes. So that could vary to another, to different people, right? So let's move forward, and then we're going to revisit that again. Well, what about if, let's say you swim down the 50-meter pool lane, and then you reduce your time to 48 seconds, but, but, remember, you do not reduce your strokes, meaning that you stay with 50 strokes. Okay? So, you know, so you reduce your time. That means you're faster, but your stroke is still 50. 
And guess what the score would be? Your uh, SWOLF score would be. It will be 98. Okay? Which would be seen to be more efficient, right? So, you know, earlier, so even though, like, you know, you did not reduce the number of strokes, you did not reduce the number of strokes, but you got faster, your score is still the same. When you actually have 50 seconds time, but you have lesser stroke. When, with Swolf, what, what we're not considering is the physiological response to decreasing the Swolf. Let's say the heart rate. Okay, so when you reduce the swolf, like for example, you could be kicking a lot more, right, to reduce that stroke. And your score is still 98. Like for example, earlier. So you're 40, you have 48 strokes, right? And then you have 50 seconds time. Your swolf score is 98. However, you could be kicking a lot more. And then the result of that is that your heart rate is higher, right? But at the same time, let's just say that you did not kick more. Instead, you know, you maintain the 50 strokes and you still have 48 seconds time. Okay. Um, also, the other portion that the Swolf doesn't consider is the, um, you know, like how tall or the body, com uh, how tall or anat anatomy of the swimmer. So, for example, shorter swimmers would be seen less efficient than taller swimmers with long arms and stroke, right? Because, of course, I mean, if you have uh, shorter limbs, shorter limbs, uh, like, you know, like shorter swimmers, your, your, your stroke, the number of strokes for you to complete the, the lap would be a lot more compared to a taller swimmer, right? So, how about three best swimmers on... Um, like Katie Ledecky or Gregorio Paltrinieri or Adam Petey, okay? Gregorio is a current Olympic and world champion uh, in 1500 meter freestyle. And guess what? He was taking around 13 strokes more per lap than the people who finished behind him in Rio. But then if we check his swolf, well, definitely his swolf will be much higher. But then he's winning. <laughs> He's winning and also, uh, so the SWOLF method alone, if, if you're just considering SWOLF method alone, these people would consider as least efficient, right? So now we ask, well, okay, so is SWOLF a good metrics? Well, my suggestion, it's good to know your SWOLF, right? But please don't use that as the only metric in swimming. And in fact, to me, uh, when I coach my athletes, I don't necessarily look at the swolf. Instead, I look at their speed and or how long they can actually keep up that speed or their stroke rate, right? Let me see. So, for example, let's just compare that with the bike. With the bike, there's so many metrics too, right? There's the cadence, there's the power, speed, heart rate, your perceived uh, exertion, okay? So, those are just some of them. And then you, you ask yourself, okay, I'm riding 14 miles per hour. I actually saw this one. I, I'm, I'm riding 14 miles per hour and I completed this much within this amount of time. Is that fast? It's really hard to say if you're only, <laughs> if you're only looking at the miles per hour, right? The other thing, or, or speed. The thing is that 
you you don't know if it's actually headwind or tailwind, or you don't know about the great percentage or the elevation at what elevation you're actually riding, right? Uh, or your perceived exertion. So my suggestion is actually to look at different metrics. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you only look at the speeds, there's a speed or miles per hour. You want to look at different metrics besides your speed. I suggest power, right? Um, so my suggestion is that, sure, know your swolf. So those people who's actually, uh, you know, like a fan of swolf, go ahead and use that. But the thing about it is that what matters most is how you're going to perform at the race, how, how fast you are really, right? Or how efficient you are, how comfortable you are with your form, right? So, so my suggestion is actually for me uh, with my athletes is that I use stroke rate. But it doesn't mean also that if you have higher stroke rate that you're fast, right? It doesn't mean that either. A lot of athletes would say to me, hey, I, I use Tempo Trainer. If you guys don't know the Tempo Trainer, it's actually, it's a, it's a metronome, but at, at the same time, um, it has the feature of actually measuring a hundreds or thousands of a second. So meaning that the, when you look at the watch, you can only see one second, right? But with the metronome, it helps us out to actually look and measure our, our speed at 100 seconds. So it's a decimal places on a second. So which is helpful because it really does matter with the swim we're in. You know, you gain so much with just uh, in terms of the pacing. Okay, so you need to be very precise in terms of the pacing and speed. Okay, so, so going back, you know, a lot of athletes actually ask me, okay, well, you know, I've increased my stroke rate. Right now, my stroke rate is 80 strokes per minute, right? But then, you know, is that the most important thing, right? Increasing your stroke rate doesn't mean directly, or it doesn't mean that it's directly proportional whether you're actually faster. Because what matters also is that whether you can hold your good form all throughout the race with that stroke rate, right? So uh, we're going to talk about more, <laughs> more on stroke rate in another podcast. But as of now, we are talking about this wolf. Uh, my suggestion is that, sure, know about what it means by swolf, but don't use it as the only metrics, okay? Having the least amount of stroke doesn't mean that you are efficient because it's possible that you are actually, that the swimmer is actually using the kicking portion wherein it, 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 um, kicking is good, right? As long as you're fit enough to actually keep up that kicking and still maintain, not allow your heart rate to shoot so highly, okay? So um, it doesn't really mean that the lower stroke rate, you know, you're much faster, which uh, as I use the examples, so for example, the, um, the three athletes that I just explained or use as an example, they have high swolf, but they're passing athletes and they're winning. Okay, so I think that there's a lot of things to consider uh, in terms of swimming. By the end of the day, you want to finish your race the fastest that you can in a way that you can still carry on your energy. You still have energy to actually finish fast on the bike and the run. All right, that's pretty good, right? So today I, 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 we discussed about you know, what to do when you actually have only one hour workout. How can you make the most out of it? How can you be still 
put some variation to actually have fun and then enjoy running. Especially when you say, you know, running, running is zone two. Remember, if it's zone two, if it's easy, keep it easy. When like in your, in your workout, you see like you got to push hard. You got to really push hard. You got to suck it up, right? But I had an easy one today. And then also at the same time, I also want to, I also want to, uh, strengthen my glutes. Okay. So to get some more edge. So I did that, but at the, you know, there are different things to actually do. How do you execute a good, uh, strength workout within that short amount of time? So I did only one hour today. And then the next thing that we talked about is about 12 S W O L F. I hope you learned a lot today. I hope this one pumped you up today and that you share our podcast, Feisty Fox Fire, to your friends because it's free and you can learn a lot more. And my intention actually is to help so many athletes as possible uh, through this platform. And um, if you want more of this one, I, I invite you to actually join us in Feisty Fox Coaching on Fire Facebook group. So that one is also free and I'm already a- answering questions of athletes. We have a team of support there. We have a great positive community. So I hope I see you there. You guys have a great day. Bye. Bye.